Welcome to the Hope for ACD podcast, the podcast for adults with divorced parents and those who love them. We're glad you're here as we discuss how adults with divorced parents can take steps towards better relationships with God, themselves, their spouses, and others. Now here is your host, therapist and author, Kent Darcy. Hi, this is Kent Darcy. Thank you for joining us at Hope for ACD. Hope for adult children of divorce. Today we're going to talk about a topic that is uh, probably new to many of you. I just read about it the other day, although it's been going on for a while. It's called LAT, or Living Apart Together. Uh, Living Apart Together is basically people that live in separate homes. Uh, They might live on different floors, or they might be down the block from one another, different neighborhoods, but they are married or otherwise attached. So they're living apart, but they're together. Uh, That is not a new concept. Uh, There's an article in the New York Times going back to 2013 that actually talks about this. And in some cases, you know situations where somebody might, I mean, we're in the Detroit area, automotive, and sometimes where a spouse might need to work abroad for four months or six months or whatever. But the plan is they'll come back. This is a plan to live apart together. So why do people do that? Well, in that Living Apart Together article that uh, New York Times had, um, the author Constance Rosenblum wrote, Some who go this route contend that separate spaces not only reduce friction in a relationship, but keep it lively, even sizzly, freed from such mundane concerns as whose turn it is to empty the dishwasher which is probably true. One of the quotes that she had was, I miss the casual comfort of being around someone. This was one of the people that she had interviewed. But I've lived alone for so many years, I think changing would be hard. I have my ways, my possessions. It's the old saw that strong fences make good neighbors. A door that can close makes for a good relationship. And the person that this gentleman is in relationship with, the living apart together person, says on the other end, early on, I might have wanted us to move in together. But I'm not sure the relationship would have been so good if we lived in the same place. I always say, we need a river between us. And some of the quotes you read on this is kind of interesting. There was an article in Glamour magazine um, called Meet Happily Married Couples Who Choose Not to Live Together. And uh, it begins by the author writing, I'm pretty sure my last live-in relationship would still be intact if we just had separate bathrooms. After five years, though, little differences in our preferences and routines started seriously getting to us. Later, she writes, I was intrigued when last year my friend revealed that she and her husband live in different apartments. This arrangement, she explained, gives her space to pursue her work and hobbies and helps them better understand what's actually going on with each other. We enjoy this idea that there is a space we each have to ourselves that nobody else is going to enter for a period of time. I do think it really forces communication. Now, some of these articles were dealing with predominantly older people, but there was an article that came out last year called uh, LAT, the relationship status that more and more millennials are signing up for. This is by Erica Smith, and she writes that living apart together relationships are on the rise among the millennials. And now she attributes it to women's increased independence, the rapidly globalizing job market, and the normalization of other types of, quote, non-traditional, unquote, relationship styles, such as polyamory, 
um, which is where people can have multiple relationships within their relationship. Basically, you are a couple, but you can have a third person that you are also having an intimate relationship with. Everybody knows about it, and everybody agrees. That's polyamorous. Uh, another quote, he comes over at five every evening and leaves here about nine. And then I have two hours by myself, my private time. We really like our space, our time alone, and we don't need to be together 24 hours a day. That's from a Time Magazine article. So you can see why it would grow. I mean, uh, it's very, if you don't have to deal with some of this stuff, then it's very attractive. But I have a couple of concerns that I thought were important to share. First of all, this ministry is for adults with divorced parents. And as a group, adult children of divorced parents uh, are mistrusting, crave safety in relationships. They have fears of inadequacy, inferiority, conflict, uh, fear of divorce. And they often feel unworthy. So living apart together provides kind of a fake relationship that pretends to be or purports to be safe. I mean, you could just leave if you have, you know, your partner's having a bad hair day. Um, it's low conflict because you know, what's to argue about? I mean, when you have your own space and you can retreat to your own world, why would you have anything to argue about? It's affirming because you have somebody who's chosen to be with you. Also, you know, we all know that when you're on a date, everybody's wonderful. Everybody behaves on a date. And in some ways, living apart together is really an extended date. You, you never really get to the point where your hair is down. It pretends to be stable. I mean, you have an ongoing relationship with somebody, so you're not kind of unmoored and kind of floating off as a single. And it's even though a lot of those relationships are not monogamous, I have to throw that in too, that even the married relationships not are not always monogamous, faithful, if you will. There's also the, if you will, seal of approval for sex. You know, for Christians, the Bible is clear. Fornication is wrong. And it's a, that's an old word. I know nobody ever uses that word anymore. But uh, fornication means sexual intercourse between people that are not married to each other. And, you know, well, that's old fuddy-duddy stuff with the Bible and all that. Well, not so. And I, I really can't get into it here. But if you go to Authentic Intimacy, Google that. It's Julie Slattery's. Uh, ministry. And basically, she teaches about healthy sexuality. And it's really quite amazing that how much data and research there is, mostly secular, that supports the biblical perspective on sexuality and what the benefits are and what the uh, you know problems are. You know, so, you know, having sex because you're married is safe. Again, it appears to be safe, but it's still problematic when you think about, you know, biblically, what does marriage do? What's it supposed to do? And, you know, we'll get to that in a moment. But there's a couple other concerns that I have that I think are worth mentioning. And one actually was raised in an article, again, in an online Time Magazine article from a couple of years ago that raised some of these questions. You said, you know, what effects do these have on older adults' health and well-being? You know, do children from previous marriages accept them? You know, what happens if a partner becomes seriously ill and needs caregiving? There was, a, there was a continuation of this article that was pretty interesting. It said that people in LAT 
relationships forget there's going to be this emotional entanglement, and they won't just be able to walk away. And I wrote about that in uh, some of the blogs that we've done on cohabitation, that we think we can just kind of stay apart, but we kind of slide into it together because there's an emotional entanglement that starts to kick in. And she wrote uh, something else interesting. She said, other complications can arise if adult children resent or fail to recognize their older parents outside of marriage relationship. In some cases, when a partner wants to step in and have a say, they've been pushed out by family members. One older woman in her study learned that her partner had been placed in a nursing home by his family only when she couldn't reach him at home anymore. They didn't include her in a conversation at all, and she was pretty upset about that. Of course, another issue that's near and dear to my heart is how does this, how does this affect the kids? Because the kids grow up. And there was an article in by Erica Smith called The Relationship Status that more and more millennials are signing up for. And she wrote, some parents find that LAT relationships make the most sense not just for themselves, but for their children. Jay, who has to be credited by his first name only, says that he and his girlfriend are both single parents, and while they've discussed living together, they've decided against it. We both have children in different schools, and it would have been too disruptive. Plus, we both like our autonomy, he explains. Later in the article, it's written, What a child needs is to know they're loved, they're supported, they're encouraged. It can be empowering for the child to see their parents designing a life that works for them, and it shows them they don't need to stick to rigid societal norms. Well, societal norms have worked pretty darn good <laughs> when they're actually, you know, followed. So that's another concern, dealing with the kids. Probably the last concern I, I would like to just mention is we're a Christian ministry, which means the Bible is our guide. Now, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, no problem. I would still encourage you to check out Julie Slattery's website, Authentic Intimacy, because basically your desires are the same. Safety, affirmation, love, stability. Uh, you know, I mean, you want all that. So, you know, even if you don't, you're not into the God thing, your goals are the same. And as far as sex is concerned, the Authentic Intimacy website is very, very helpful. Um, but basically, whatever you're looking at, whether you are a follower of Christ or whether you're not, I encourage you to check out what leads to the goals of having safety and affirmation and love and stability. I mean, what you're doing, is it helping that or is it pulling you away from that? And as a Christian, are we doing all that we can to follow what the Bible teaches to achieve that? Because there's sometimes when people say, well, no, it's not happening at all. Well, we're also not following what the Bible teaches. There was an interesting quote that said, in the end, compromising on what we wanted just to share space made us feel like we'd stopped growing as individuals. I can see that. But it misses the beautiful mystery of individual oneness the biblical marriage covenant offers. You know, Jesus said, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It, it is cleaving, another version says. It's, it's like gorilla glue. They're, they're supposed to glue together and stick together through thick and thin. And that joining of one flesh requires a relationship of love, compromise, sacrifice, mutual submission, obedience perseverance, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. 
you know, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When iron sharpens another piece, I, there's sparks, and there's conflict. But when we are bound by the framework of a biblical marriage covenant, and we're in one house, we can't run when the going gets tough. So we have to ideally learn to work it out. We allow God to singe the edges and, and, and soothe the rough edges, and we learn and we gradually become one. Ideally, we, we learn to trust God, submit to God first, and then trust our spouse and forgive our spouse. And that concept, in my opinion, is the opposite of what living apart together does. Uh, we've done some articles, again, in cohabitation, because for adults with divorced parents who are deathly afraid of divorce and deathly afraid of marriage, living together makes perfect sense, even though, as we've written, as I've written, there are a number of things that are the opposite of what our goals are. But one of the things that I had written in one of the articles was, although I normally focus on the ladies because they're the big ones that lose in cohabitation relationships, guys lose as well. And one of the things guys lose is if you are a Christian, your goal is to become Christ-like. And when you're living with a girl, living with a woman, she is not going to push. She's not going to confront like she would if she had the safety of a ring in a relationship. And that pushing, that conflict, that ironing sharpens iron, strengthens guys. It helps them. And without that, they can't be all they want to be in Christ. I, I've often said marriage reveals how selfish we are. When you put two people together that have had their own way, have done their own thing, whatever, and you put them together, you learn immediately how selfish you are. You know, how dare you not do the toothpaste the way I like it? But it's interesting as marriage goes and you have kids, when that kid comes along, you learn about God's love. Because when you hold that little infant in your arm, there is nothing you would do, you wouldn't do to protect him. You just, you love that little infant. And you start to get a picture of God's love for us. But then that little infant becomes a teen. And they do teen stuff. And you learn about how conditional your love is. How you love them when they're doing the right stuff. But when they're all over the place and doing whatever, and I hate you and all this stuff, we don't love them anymore. And then the Holy Spirit goes, ah, uh, you are God's teen. And you find out about God's unconditional love for us when we are teenagers to him. And ideally, that'll cause us to have that unconditional love for our teens. And when you survive that part, ideally, then you move into the part of marriage where it's really cool. But, you know, marriage brings in a number of things that living apart together defeats. I think it, it, in its basis, you're basically dealing with a situation of spirit versus flesh. The flesh doesn't want conflict, wants its own way, wants to have its cake and eat it too. And the spirit says, sacrifice, be other-oriented, deny ourselves. You know, sacrifice versus selfishness is really what we're dealing with. And again, I understand there's exceptions. You know, I mentioned earlier that sometimes it just it's necessity that somebody has to go and and live apart for a while but that's not the plan and it's not the ideal i also understand that yeah there can be a ton of problems when you get two sin-filled people together in a marriage but god offers wisdom and power to overcome those issues if we just turn to him and research 
has consistently supported the, the biblical marriage model, consistently. I mean, they show that a married, active church attendee, they live longer, they're happier, they have deeper sexual intimacy, they're less likely to exhibit social or antisocial behavior, less mental illness, less likely to suffer abuse, they divorce less. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. But we have to choose. You don't hear that you know, out there very much, that marriage still is the best way going on, on virtually every front research-wise. So that's kind of living apart together, kind of an overview. And uh, from our perspective, I, I kind of think of Joshua, you know, where he said, you know, if, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for you this day who you're going to serve. You're going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? So interesting topic. I hope it was helpful. If you have any questions or comments on what we talked about today, please email us at questions at hope4acd.com. That's questions at hope, the number four, acd.com. Also, if you have an idea for a topic that needs to be discussed, let us know. And you can uh, let us know at that same email. But for now, until next time, let us heed the words of the Apostle Paul. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. This is Kent Darcy. Thanks for listening. I look forward to being with you again. This has been the Hope for ACD podcast, which is produced by Adult Children of Divorce Ministries. We'd love to hear from you. Please email any questions or comments to questions at hope4acd.com. That's questions at hope, the number four, acd.com. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, may God bless you with his peace and joy.